Well, if you're here and you've got your copy of God's Word, if you'd take it and turn to the book of Ephesians, we're going to start in chapter 6, round about verse 18. Just in case you're here and you were invited and you don't know what's going on today, uh, our students are leaving for a mission trip uh, in about 30 minutes. Uh, hopefully in 30 minutes they'll be driving away. And so that means I can't go 35 minutes, right? All right. Good deal. You guys are awake and alert already this morning. I like it. And so uh, what's going to happen is uh, they're going to Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, there's a organization called North Carolina Baptist Men that most of you are familiar with. We're a part of that organization. And during the summer, they sponsor a series of mission trips, uh, probably 10 of which are in the state of North Carolina. They do one in uh, somewhere uh, within the continental United States. This year it's Philadelphia. And then they usually do two overseas uh, now they're doing one in Cuba and one in Honduras. And so we decided to uh, take our students out of the state of North Carolina this year to Philadelphia. And so when they go, uh, I want to give you kind of an idea of what the schedule will be like. They wake up earlier than they'll normally wake up around 6.30, 7 o'clock, uh, eat breakfast, I think at 7, 7.15. And then we uh, go out to some mission sites. Some of them are like, you never told us that. Uh, and then we'll go out to some sort of pre-designated mission site. It'll work till about 2 or 3 o'clock, uh, be exhausted at the end of it, come back, and then that evening we'll have a worship service each night that, get this, it'll last hour and 15, hour and 30 minutes, and uh, they enjoy every second of it. So just to give you an idea of, you know, our church service is only about an hour, and the kids go for about an hour, 15, hour and a half, uh, just to kind of give you a heads up of, of where worship is going and the amount of time people spend doing it, just so you have an idea. And so what they'll be doing for their different mission sites is that they will, uh, some of them will be working with a boys and girls club in Philadelphia. Some of them will be uh, sharing the gospel with different folks. And some of them will maybe doing some sort of physical labor uh, to help out people who can't do it themselves. And so there's a lot of different things. There'll be a lot of needs that'll be met. And there will be a lot of uh, flexibility in the schedules. I've planned a youth event before for uh, about 150 kids. We were going to go somewhere and do a job. We show up to the nursing home. And this is all planned six months ahead of time, 90 days out confirmed. And they look at me at the door and go, what are you doing here? And it's like, we, we talked about this. This is what we're supposed to be doing. And so there's always a lot of flexibility when you're putting a lot of folks to work. And so what I wanted to do today is I want to take all of the people that are going on the trip at the end of the service, and I'm going to get them to come down front. And then I'm going to ask their families to come down front also. And so everyone going on the trip will kind of be in the middle, and then their families will lay hands on them, and then anybody left over, the deacons will come down, and they'll lay hands on all of those people. And then the rest of you, I'm going to get to get in a circle around the sanctuary, and we're going to pray uh for some specific things concerning this mission trip. And so when I was preparing uh, this service and thinking about what do we pray for, for a group of people that are going, I thought it would be a real good idea if we didn't just pray the same things we normally pray, but we go to God's word and we look for what uh, the first followers of Christ prayed for when they were going out doing the work of the Lord. And I think that this, I would like for this to steer the things that we pray for. So there's five things that I want us to pray for. And at the end of the service, when we when we do the laying on of hands, I've got five different people who are going to come up to the platform here, and they're going to pray at the pulpit on behalf of all of us. And so these are the things we're going to pray for. Let me open us in prayer, and then we'll get started. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for 
these students that are going on this mission trip. Father, I thank you for them taking a week out of their busy summer schedules. I thank you that they love you more than they love uh, their sports. They love you more than they love their hobbies. And Lord, they're taking time out from those things to serve you and make your, make your name known around the world. Father, I pray that as we uh, continue in this service, Lord, that you would bless the things that we do. And Lord, I pray that as we look to your word for what to pray for, Lord, I pray that your word would shape everything that we do and everything that we pray. That's in Christ's name. Amen. Excuse me. This is, uh, this is not a good time to be preaching because we finished up with the men's breakfast. And so the, uh, the bacon and the sausage is outweighing the water in my mouth. So bear with me if I stammer and stutter this week. You'll have to understand. Uh, so if you go to the book of Ephesians and we're in chapter 6 and you were to go to verse 18, you would find that Paul has written this whole letter to the church at Ephesus. At the end of his letter, he finishes with what hopefully all of you are familiar with uh, when he talks about putting on the full armor of God. And after he goes through that great passage about putting on the full armor of God, he asks the people to pray for him for something. And so he says this, chapter 6, verse 18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit and with this in view be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all of the saints. So he says, listen, be alert, be alive, be in the spirit, in prayer for everybody. And then he says in verse 19, and pray on my behalf. And so you, church at Ephesus, pray for me, Paul. What do you think a guy like Paul prays for? I mean, the guy seemingly needs nothing. He would be a, a rock star of the faith in any of our books. He says this. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And so here you have a guy named Paul who is bolder, might I dare say, than any of us seemingly. Been faced with more circumstances than we have. Paul went to a city... Preached the gospel in a city. This is in the book of Acts. At the end of his preaching, they stone him, right? Hey, at the end of his sermon, all right, if anybody wants us to make a decision to follow the Lord, come now. And they all throw rocks instead and they stone him and they leave him for dead. And he's dead enough where they drag him out of the city and they leave what they think is a dead corpse outside of the city. And later that day when his friends come by to get him, kind of shakes it off. And he goes back into the city preaching the gospel. Into the city where they just stoned him yesterday. This is a guy who seemingly doesn't need boldness. I would say that he's, in my book, he's got plenty of it. And Paul says, listen gang, I want you to pray for me that I would speak with boldness and I would clearly speak so that people understand the mystery of the gospel. And so when we pray for our students, uh, uh, Pastor James has been working on Wednesday nights with our students about sharing the gospel. If you come, if, you, if you're part of our Wednesday night service, actually Lindsay just finished sharing the gospel with everyone who came on Wednesday night, uh, which I'm sure was really encouraging to those of you guys who are here. And so pray for our students that as we get into conversations in Philadelphia where people don't talk normal and they act a lot different than us, pray that they would, that was supposed to be funny, gang, they uh, pray that our students would have boldness in sharing the gospel much like Paul. If you flip over to the book of Acts, 
And you're welcome to uh, turn or you're welcome to just listen. But over in the book of Acts chapter 16, after we pray for boldness, we want to pray for that the Lord would give us open doors and open hearts. And so in Acts chapter 16, you have a really interesting story. If, you've, if you're trying to live your life following the Lord, if, you, if you're a, a person who on a daily basis is striving to walk with the Lord and follow the Lord's leading in your life, this is somewhat of a frustrating passage, but you, you understand it. Acts chapter 16 verse 5 says this, So the churches were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing in number daily. That's all good. And then they, this is Paul and some of the missionaries, they passed through Ferga and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And after they came to Mysa, and they were trying to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing down to those other places, they came to Troas. So you get this picture that Paul and his companions are going on this missionary journey, and the Lord is forbidding them to go to certain places. Have you ever been walking with the Lord in such a way where you were desiring to share the gospel with people, and you look to your right or left, and the Lord says, don't go there. I'm not talking about your own fear got to you. I'm saying that you are walking with the Lord, and the Lord clearly closed the doors that were in front of you. If you go over maybe a page, you might have to, to verse 14, you find that Paul's walking with the Lord. He's trying to serve the Lord. And for years, Paul wanted to go to Rome, but the Lord didn't permit him to. And then you find that as he's continuing to follow the Lord and he's not going where the Lord doesn't want him to go, you find in verse 14, it says a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God was listening to the Lord was listening, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. And so what happened was Paul didn't go, didn't try to bust through any of the closed doors that were before him. Instead, he walks through the doors that the Lord has opened. He goes to a place where people would normally be praying on the Sabbath. There's a woman named Lydia there. He preaches. The Lord has worked on this Lydia's heart, and now she's opened her heart to the Lord. And she has also opened her house up to Paul. And she becomes quite a resource for Paul and the other disciples as they share the gospel in this country. And so what's going on here is that the Lord didn't want them to go here. And he didn't want them to go here. But he was moving them in such a way where he got them to the person that he wanted them to get to. And that person was open to the gospel. That person was accepting of the gospel. And then that person was a great resource in reaching other people around them. And so when you pray for our students, pray that we would find the open doors that the Lord wants us to walk through. And pray that when we find those open doors, that we would find people with open hearts also. And these are, like I say, very biblical things for us to pray for. Most of you know this next passage is over in Matthew 28, the Great Commission. You don't have to turn there, but it's Matthew 28, 18. And when Jesus at the end of his life says, go into the world and preach the gospel. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And he says, and lo, I'll be with you even into the end of the age. And so part of the reason for this mission trip, this isn't just a fun trip for our kids to go on. This is not summer camp, gang. This is they're giving up some of their time to go take the gospel to a city that largely doesn't know the gospel at all. There's not Baptist churches on every corner like there is here. And so we're going because we've been commanded by God in the Great Commission to go. 
And in our going, we know out of the book of First Timothy, you don't have to turn there, First Timothy chapter 2 says that God desires that all men be saved. And so as we are obedient to God in going, we can be confident that it's the will of God that all men be saved. And so when you're praying for our students, pray that people would be saved on this mission trip. Pray that the people that they interact with would have these open hearts in order to receive the gospel that they've been trained to present. You following me? These are all good, healthy things to pray. Now, just for the record, when you are praying for these things, there's two groups of people. There's going to be probably 100, 150 students who are church kids, not all of which are saved. And so one aspect of this trip, uh, I'm speaking at the trip. One aspect is going to be we're going to be preaching to these kids, and we hope that some of them get saved because they aren't Just because you grow up in church doesn't mean that you're saved. So we're going to hope that some of them get saved. And then we're going to take all of them sharing the gospel with other folks, hoping that they get saved also. And so pray for the two different batches of people in this mission trip. And then if you were to go over to, uh, I skipped one verse, but that's okay for the sake of time. If you were to go over to the book of Colossians chapter 4. At the very end of the book of Colossians, there's tucked away this man that I had uh, not spent a whole lot of time thinking about and didn't know a whole lot about him. But over in Colossians chapter 4, verse 12, I want you to pray for, and as I was preparing the message, I thought quickly about the things that we covered so far. It's obvious that God wants people to be saved. It's obvious when you read through the book of Acts that God wants to be the one directing your path. So you pray for open doors. This is all language that the scripture uses. And it's obvious in the book of Acts that, uh, or excuse me, out of the book of Ephesians, it's easy to remember that Paul prays for boldness because it's so out of the ordinary for him to pray for. And so those were three things to quickly come up with. And I was thinking, well, what else can we get our people to pray for? And I was thinking that we could get our people to pray that our students... And myself and our our youth pastor and our families would grow spiritually on this trip. And then I got to thinking and I said, you know, everything that we pray for, I want to be grounded in Scripture. And where's the place that, that Paul or anybody prays for spiritual growth? Right? There's places in Ephesians where Paul says that I pray that you would know how much God loves you, how unfathomable it is, so that it will change the way you live the rest of your life. But I couldn't think of the language of spiritual growth anywhere. But there's a guy here in Colossians chapter 4, verse 12. His name's Ephorus. And so Paul, at the end of this letter to the church at uh, Colossae, says, Ephorus, this is chapter 4, verse 12, who is one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers, that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. For I testify for him that he has a deep concern for you and for those who are in Laodicea and the other place. And so Paul has a friend, right? He has a friend a lot like many of you who may be advanced in years and you're not physically able to do the things that you do before. But every time you see me, you tell me that you're praying for me. I want you to do that exact same thing for our kids. Be like this guy, Ephorus, who's a bond slave of Jesus and sends his greetings, who's always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. And so I would love to, when these students are gone on the mission trip, to have a whole church 
full of Ephesus who are laboring earnestly in prayer. And not just praying for anything, but praying specifically that these students and myself and our families would be able to stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. This laboring earnestly also can be translated, some of you have an NIV Bible, it says that he was always wrestling for you in his prayers. And so you get this idea of someone grappling on your behalf that you would stand before God. And so those are the, those are the top four things that I want you to pray for uh, as we get ready to go. The last thing that I want you to pray for is not a biblical prayer at all, but it's something I think is good for us to pray. I'd like you to pray for the safety of the trip. But I purposely put safety at the very end because it's not something you're ever called to pray for in Scripture. Now, I'm going to tell you a funny story uh, out of the Bible. But before I tell you the story, I want you guys to keep in mind the, the sense of humor that I have. And I also want you to keep in mind that uh, James drives a, used to drive a fire truck for a living. I've driven all sorts of trucks that the Army has, so we're fully competent drivers. We're as safe as they come as youth leaders and church leaders. But I want to just tell you something about being safe and being biblical. So there's this guy named Paul, and he's nearing the end of his life. And Paul, for the sake of the gospel, gets arrested, right? Would you all say that that's not a very safe thing to do? Paul, at different times in his life, gets put in the inner cell. He gets put in stocks. Oftentimes, angels come, shake all the walls. They fall down, and Paul walks away. None of this sounds safe, does it? This trip we're going on is safe, okay? Just hear where I'm going with this. I'm doing this to make a point. Paul then uh, gets arrested, and he gets sent to Rome. And so Paul's on his way to Rome, and they put him on a ship as a prisoner, and they're going to sail him to Rome during the journey to Rome where he's going to stand trial, they get into a storm and the whole thing gets black and for 14 days they can't see and they don't have anything to eat. Not once does Paul pray for safety. So after about 14 days of everyone starving on the boat, they're up endlessly like the a bad edition of the deadliest catch. The boat's cruising along and they're about to run aground and Paul says, listen gang, don't worry. I've seen an angel last night in my dream. The angel says that everyone's going to live, no one's going to die. If you have to see an angel to reassure you that everyone's going to live and no one's going to die, that's not, you're not in a safe place. And so what happens is the boat runs aground. The guy in charge says, okay, kill all the prisoners, of which Paul was a prisoner. Kill all the prisoners, everyone else swim to shore. A guard says, no, 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 no. I got to get Paul to where he's supposed to go. Don't kill any prisoners. If you can swim, jump now. If you can't swim, wait till the boat breaks up. Grab a piece of the boat and float to shore. This is the advice. Any of this sound safe to you? Not yet. And even at this point, Paul's still not praying for safety. Paul gets to shore. Everyone makes it to shore. Paul begins to pick up firewood. He gets a bunch of wood together and they make a fire. These locals come out, some natives come out, and they're all gathered around the fire and they're warming their hands. And everyone knows that Paul is a prisoner. A viper crawls out of the fire, bites Paul on the hand. And all of the natives go, (laughs) that prisoner, karma got him. He got exactly what he had coming to him. See, the shipwreck didn't kill him, but the snake got him. See, Paul gets bit by a viper. He still doesn't pray for safety. And so he's been shipwrecked, 
after being in a storm for 14 days. And then when everything seems like it's going to be okay, now we're on dry land. We've got a fire. He's warming his hands. The viper bites him. All of the locals go, well, he's a goner. He shakes the snake off of his hand back into the fire. And all the locals are watching for him to die, and he doesn't die. God keeps him alive. And then all of the locals come around and they go, well, if he's not dead, he must be a God. And then Paul takes that opportunity to share the gospel with all of the people sitting around the fire. How many of you would pray for that exact same thing to happen? Now, now we would be praying for safety all along the way. And so what I want you to see is that we're going to be as safe as we can. But just since we're being biblical with the things we're praying for. I want you to see that sometimes God uses seemingly unforeseen things to bring about things that only he can get credit for. And so sometimes you break down in places that aren't perfect. And God has the power and ability to use it all for his good. And so as you're praying, let me just ask you pastorally, do pray for us to be safe. At least pray for all the students to get back safe to their parents, okay? So that they still like us at the end of the day. But pray for safety last and pray first for boldness. Pray second for open doors and open hearts. Pray third for people to be saved. Pray fourth for whatever that fourth one was. That we would all have spiritual growth from the things that God's calling us to do. And then lastly, pray the wheels don't fall off the bus and we make it home safe. Okay? But pray in that order. And Mary Rose checked all the wheels out, so they're in good shape, just for the record. Now what I want to do is I want to ask all of the people that are going on the trip to come on down front. It's going to be awkward, so just jump in and be the first one to move. So if you're going on the trip, come on down front. And then once they get down front, they're going to kind of stand here in a cluster in the middle. I'm going to ask the families of those people going on the trip to to surround them and to put your hands on them. Put your hand on their shoulder. And then I'm going to ask the deacons to now come forward also. And you deacons can make the outer realm of the circle. Kind of put your hands on the the last people that you can reach. And now that all of everybody's moving and in place, there's five of you that I've asked specifically to pray for us. Uh, If you guys will come up to the platform here. And if you'll pray in the order uh, in which I asked you to, that would be fantastic. And just so that everyone knows, uh, the last person to pray is going to be Alan Caslow, and he's going to pray for uh, safety. And I told him that it wasn't a mean joke to pray for safety last. Uh, but he's going to pray for safety. And when he finishes praying, uh, the service will be concluded. Uh, we're going to have a, a postlude uh, like we normally do. But there's not going to be any normal invitation. What we're going to do is that when he's done praying, everyone going on the trip is going to leave. And then after we leave, the service will be concluded and you can... Uh, carry over to Sunday school. If you're here and you've never made a decision to follow Christ, uh, we would love to share with you more about uh, putting your faith in Christ and becoming one of his followers, having your sins forgiven and having eternal life. And so if you would, grab one of our older men who are here after we leave and they would love to tell you more about Christ. I love you guys. Look forward to the great things the Lord's going to do through our student ministry while we're gone. And uh, I'm going to hand it over to these guys to pray and then we'll be dismissed. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful today for the joy of Christian service. Father, we're thankful 
that you still touch people, Lord, to go out and do your work. We, we're thankful today, Lord, that we serve one who would not begin to send his people to battle without first equipping them for battle. And, Father, as these young people prepare their hearts and their lives to go out and do battle for you today, Father, in equipping them, Father, we ask for that boldness today that they're going to need to do your work. Father, your word says that we may come boldly to your throne, that we might receive help in times of trouble. This boldness, Father, we know comes from your Holy Spirit. The same boldness you gave to Peter on the day of Pentecost as he preached the sermon with boldness and 3,000 souls were saved. One of the greatest revivals in the New Testament. Father, we ask for that boldness for these young people today as they prepare their hearts today to go forth. Father, truly your words comes to us that the fields are truly white unto harvest, but the labors are few. Father, empower these young people today with your spirit, with your presence, and especially with boldness as they do battle for you today. In your name we pray. Let these people represent your word, Lord. Help them go out and find the opportunities and the open doors that lead to the open hearts that are waiting to hear your word, Lord. Let them sow your word and be the workers for you. In Jesus' name. Father, we do recognize you as the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Almighty, the Everlasting, the Prince of Peace. You're so worthy of all these titles and so much more. Father, we, uh, we have your direction. We have your instruction through the Great Commission. And it's our prayer this morning, Lord, that as these young people go out and the leaders go out, that uh, that commission will be fulfilled, that uh, we will take uh, your word out to the world. And, Lord, we just pray that uh, through all their interactions that these young people have, through helping in the Boys and Girls Club, through helping in all the different capacities that they'll be working through construction projects and battered shelters and all the work that is planned for these young people to do, that they will have these interactions and that the doors will be open and that the word will be heard, that others will know this loving uh, peace that all of us as Christians, all of us that have saved, uh, have grown to know. And, Lord, we know it is your desire for all men uh, to come to your salvation, and we just pray that these young people and the leaders will have an opportunity to share, to witness, and to uh, make a difference in the world and let others see the Christ in us as we all uh, interact, uh, go out through the community. And, Lord, we just uh, pray that the harvest will be there, and, and praise be to your name, and above all, all this work that is done, that glory and honor will come to your name. It's in Christ's name we ask this. Lord, we come just with thrilled hearts this morning as we send out this group of young people from Kashai to minister in your name, Lord. And Lord, I pray especially for spiritual growth for everyone who is a part of this group, the youth as well as their leaders, Lord. Lord, I just pray for strength for them, for all that they do would be in your will. Lord, as they go out and work each day and have opportunities, Lord, to show your love, just keep them strong in their faith, Lord. And as they come in and share in the evening their experiences of the day, Lord, may it be encouraging. May they be encouraging to others, Lord, and may it just bring growth in their lives, Lord, as they learn to be your servants and 
do things, Lord, that would show their servant heart and their love for you and their love for people, Lord, as you have taught us to do. Bless them, Lord, and just give them a week of spiritual growth and blessings, Lord, to others, and I'm praying for blessings for them also, Lord. In your name I pray. Almighty Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this group of people willing to go. Uh, we selfishly ask for their safety and and to bring them, them home uh, safely at the end. Um, uh, we ask for safe travels. Um, don't let the bus break down. Uh, we're grateful for your watchful eye. Um, we know that that'll be on them at, at all times. Uh, we ask for good weather, good health. Uh, and even more importantly than any of these things for this group, uh, we need them to look to you for the answers and guidance in any situation that might arise. Let them know, let them know that you are with them, uh, that, that you will give them everything they need while, while they're gone. Um, uh, our prayers for their salvation and the salvation of those that they come in contact with in the days to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.